listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Hello, I'm Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency, and joining me is Francis Dwight, your general manager and trusty sidekick. <laughs> um, welcome to the Impact Insights. Uh, Today, um, we don't want to dwell too much on the budget that was. But because it was still, about 85 years ago anyway, wasn't it, in, in yeah. COVID time? <laughs> in COVID time and in podcast life too, I guess. <laughs> um, but there's two things that you and I have talked about a, a fair bit since um, Josh, Joshy came out and um, told us how much money the, um, the government was going to spend. It was around lack of support for women. Mm-hmm. And, and the lack of innovation within that budget as well. So maybe we can start around, um, <laughs> we need to get on our soapboxes here, I think, um, being women ourselves and mm. concerned about um, the number of women who have lost their jobs during COVID. It just puts them on the back foot financially going forward. That's, you know, superannuation, so many issues uh, around women during COVID that haven't been addressed in this budget. So um, I guess we wanted to just have a bit of a chat about that. Not, 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 let's not get all um, mm. antsy about it, but just wanted to have a chat about that because it's something that we're both passionate about. I think so. And I know that like we, you know, each year we do a, an immediate sort of review and response to budget as a discussion with our clients and with our networks, um, really looking at it you know, from a, from a what does it offer to the market and the community perspective with our in tandem with our government relations consultant, but also from a communications and narrative perspective. You know, how was it delivered? What's the overarching narrative that the government is trying to sell here? And it very much came through that it's this back to work budget. It's the the next piece, and the support's going to be there for a bit longer. But after that, we're going to get back on top of this debt. We're going to we're all getting back to work. And, um, you know, there, were, there was a lot of targeted tactical measures um, delivered in sort of a, a list format. But what was missing was an overarching strategy and a tiny focus on women. And when the overarching narrative, or the, sorry, the emerging narrative is back to work, how are women in particular, and particularly um, sorry, women who have children um, who are traditionally um, doing more unpaid labour, traditionally holding on to more responsibilities within the household, how are they supposed to get back to work? Where are the measures that are going to support them getting back to work to pay more taxes to help fund the initiatives in this budget? That's the part that was really missing for me. Um, on, a, you know, on a social level, it's disappointing and on a personal level, it's disappointing. But I think on a even on an economic level, it's just a missed opportunity entirely. For, yeah, there's such so many missed opportunities. Uh, the environment was also um, lacking in in funding in this. Well, it shouldn't surprise us, but it um, it uh, certainly wasn't number one in the priority list. Um, but just going back to to women, we're fifty one percent of the population, and. Mm-hmm. We've lost jobs and hours and income at a faster rate than men during um, COVID. Mm. Um, women have also taken on two-thirds of unpaid care work at home. Um, I, I just... I and don't, and I we've don't, been told, 
Mm, mm. And we've been told that a lot of the statistics around the official unemployment rate versus the actual unemployment rate, some of the reasons we're seeing such discrepancies is because a number of people have actually opted out of the workforce. They've had to make the decision, particularly, um, you know, some of our colleagues and friends in Melbourne, they've actually had to make the decision for one of the parents to exit the workforce to homeschool their two, three, four children that are at home for the last six months and support their remote learning. There's burdens upon families that haven't existed in years previous piling on top of what was already an identified challenge in in improving female workforce participation. And look, the the person that one of the people that's much better placed to talk to the statistics on this and what needs to happen is the incredible Georgie Dent, who is a um, you know, an advocate and journalist in this space, um, shared an article on women's gender that um, the estimate is that roughly a third of 1% of the total budget's funds were committed to women's economic security. So even if you just break it down to mere numbers and break it down to facts, we're not seeing um, a sensible allocation of initiatives to benefit, directly benefit women. And I I was... I think my initial response was, oh, that's a bit disappointing. And then when I heard the really defensive line of, well, women can do trades too, that's really not the point though, is it? That's really not the point. That's not the context. That's not a reform. That's not a, you know, forward thinking way of addressing the overarching challenges that face large numbers of women in entering and staying within the workforce. And there was you know, $26 billion of the $500 billion that um, was announced is being allocated to allow businesses to write off um, mm. assets. So <laughs> Annabelle Crabb wrote, buying a truck is one way of increasing productivity. Hiring a childcare worker not only provides a job but frees up another person to do another job. Why doesn't this ever seem to enter the equation? It's such a, such a fabulous question. It really is and I think um, it, it just – boils it right down to really simple uh, um, kind of balancing act that we're trying to achieve here, right? Like one asset one asset that's a once-off that will definitely be a positive for that business. There's no denying that. But it's almost like the old teach a man to fish versus buy him a fish scenario, really. Um, are we investing in what's going to bounce back right now? Yes, that, that became very apparent. Are we investing in changes that are not only going to support us now but far into the future? Not so much, which okay. kind of segues us to the discussion around innovation, right? Um, the last six months has been filled with really incredible um, reports and research and commentators sharing with us that this is a once-in-a-century opportunity that we can really um, think about what is the platform from which we will rebuild this country and after previous large-scale disasters or economic disruptions you know we built literally built bridges across harbors and rivers and um you know changed the way our country looked or the infrastructure or the industries that rebuilt our country um and i appreciate it's a different time it's a different place and perhaps a singular approach is not enough it needs to be more spread but i do wonder about the when we couldn't help but think about it from a communications perspective, right? This is a campaign that has a lot of little targeted tactics that are going to be effective in those little targeted places, um, plus a nice big boost to business with a 
fingers crossed, hope that that all trickles down because that's always been effective in the past, trickle-down economy. Um, but what's missing is what's the vision? What, what, what direction do you want to, to, to send this nation in? How do you want us to follow in step towards that goal? That's the bit that for me, other than back to work, I'm not quite sure what's being asked of me as a member of society. Yeah, back to work and be confident are the two things that I that they were asking of me as an individual. And, and, hope, and hope for God there's a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, and oh, and by the way, asterisk, this is all pending on a vaccine yeah. late next year. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about this innovation thing, Nicole? Where did that leave you? Were you hopeful and oh. or? Do you know, I always said that if I ever ran for Prime Minister, my um, platform would be the Clever Country because I think there's such a an opportunity to ladder up to that, to be the Clever Country that, that we know we can be in terms of science and technology and the environment and so many things ladder up to to the Clever Country. I, uh, For all his faults, Kevin 07... Um, was was pretty incredible he had um he had a vision for the country didn't follow through on it <laughs> that's a conversation for another, another it's, day it's always like are we looking for a unicorn where we've got a visionary that can also deliver can we somehow i don't know create our own <laughs> hybrid leader that brings both and i know um we all maybe fangirl like, over Jacinta. <laughs> but yeah I don't know I feel like um it's interesting that that exploring that territory of someone that you want to get behind and rally for because and someone or a government doesn't have to be an individual but particularly during the times that we're in at the moment we we, we need somebody we need that vision we need the visionary we need that person to take us on that journey we need that in in ourselves we need it I don't just want someone who's balancing the books or someone who's handing out checks to the kids and saying, "Now don't spend it all at once." You know, I'm not, I'm not, or, or if you don't use it by Christmas, I'm giving it to your brother because um, there was a bit of that in there too with the state versus state funding. And I was like, mm, "I get it; it's good. There's a lot of things in here that are good, but where's the where's the overarching vision?" And it got us talking more broadly about innovation, didn't it? And how you know, in times of, in extraordinary times or challenging times, that sometimes it can be a really rich territory to actually try entirely new things and be innovative and and challenge yourself in new ways because you can kind of be conservative to a fault otherwise because if you're too conservative, you're really just going to shrink yourself down so much that you might not exist by the end of the pandemic as a business. I also think it's an opportunity. Um, if you fail, you're forgiven a little bit. Mm. More during more that the test trial, tweak, change. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We're not having that perfection anymore. Like if you if you watch um, ABC Twenty Four News, the, those interviews are happening from someone's lounge room or someone's pantry. Mm. You know? We we you know us as PR practitioners, we're always getting our our clients to don't wear checkered shirts when you go in studio, and there's you know there's none of that anymore. It's uh, uh, there's a spokesperson, that spokesperson is available at this time and they will be in their lounge room and it, it doesn't matter. That's right. that, that perfection doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, a lot of our reporters are reporting from their homes as well and and people are delivering interviews with headphones in their ears and pixelated imagery and that's okay. It's being accepted because it's just a natural part of the way that we're living right now. So, so I, perfection, I, you, know, you can innovate and if it fails, that's okay, but you gave it a go. 
Mm. And, and in these times and these uncertain times, unpre- unprecedented times we t- keep talking about, it's a, we don't know what's going to work and what's mm. not going to work. But um, innovating and having a go is, uh, is going to be okay. Yeah. And like to that point, I didn't expect a perfect budget and I don't think it's fair to expect a perfect budget. But yeah, but um, the vision and the the, excite, the sort of positive, innovative thinking and let's try it's this big, and let's big, give big, it a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah that mm. bigger piece that is up there. Absolutely. And we were thinking about our own industry, right, and how, how um, players within our industry um, and also our clients and ourselves, how we've challenged ourselves to stretch and be innovative and try new things and adjust approaches over the past sort of seven or so months and what that means as we move forward. Well, I'm on the board of the Australian Theatre for Young People and I'll tell you, the creative industry, the arts community, oh, God, absolutely decimated. ATYP, the Australian Theatre for Young People, have shifted its business model and made sure it could still deliver its workshops and its classes to kids online. And what that has done now is... It, they are truly a national uh, youth theatre company. They're the Australian Theatre for Young People because they can deliver their classes not just in Sydney but can deliver them across across um, the country and, you know, potentially across the globe. Mm. So they've gone back term three, they've gone back and they're doing face-to-face classes and workshops, but they've continued to do that online piece as well. So an awesome example of the pandemic made this happen and the result has been incredible. Now, look. We're not back to pre-COVID days in the arts community and we've got a long way to go, but um, just a little bit of innovation um, is is making a huge difference within that particular organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Digital innovation has just been an absolute necessity really across so many industries. Um, one of our um, you know, colleagues in, a, in our network, a, a former client and um, you know, current advocate for, for impact. Um, one of the businesses that he works with went from, you know, an enormous growing business to zero in one day um, because of the shutdowns. But the rate of acceleration through their pivot to digitize um, how they delivered their services and ensure that they were built in a way that would not diminish the quality of the outcome and the outputs that it could achieve meant that within a, a period of, you know, six weeks, they were back to 50% capacity of where they were um, prior and have rebuilt entirely back to where they were in the months that followed. So I think that there's been some incredible ingenuity uh, across the uh, country and, and yeah, and, and in our clients and our, our pro bono clients and, and like ATYP. Um, but we've also seen... Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I have to tell you, I have to tell you about Nathan who is in my um, tech group, the executive connection yeah. group. He has a business that uh, does alcohol and drug, drug testing within um, organisations. Mm-hmm. He has picked up so much work testing um, and doing temperature testing of staff um, for COVID, um, particularly with one of the bigger um, supermarkets. But he told me today um, his his business has just grown like you wouldn't believe. But now he's talking about um, when there is a, a vaccine a vaccine for for, the, for for COVID. He's now talking to businesses to get them um, understanding that he can go in and and give the vaccines to to the workforce as well. So wow. he's gone from this drug and alcohol testing to um, temperature testing 
to, and I'm not sure if he's doing actual COVID testing, but he's doing temperature mm. testing in the workplace and then um, and now talking to the um, organisations he works for about um, giving giving staff um, the vaccine when it becomes available because it's going to be the quickest way to get the vaccine out there, isn't it, through the workplace? And that's the, the most perfect example of someone who is reacting effectively to the here and now and ensuring not only the viability of their business but delivering effective needed services and has their eye on the horizon of where they're headed as well. And that's what we're we're thinking is the opportunity for so many businesses. Like we as a business went through it like everybody did this year, right? But we made a decision very early on that we were not going to um, – we were not going to pull away from our longer term goals. We were not going to drill ourselves right down to the worst case scenario each day because I think that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you click yourself into that idea of respond um, now, make it to tomorrow. You're never going to make it to the end of the year or the end of the next five years or 10 years or whatever the vision is if you think like that. Um, We've seen that, you know, there's certainly – not the haves and the have-nots, but there's sadly a number of agencies that were just more exposed to this just because of the industries that they specialise in. Mm. Um, And I think those who are either more diversified or less specialised in those industries have been fortunate not to have been as badly affected initially that gave them a bit of room to try new things. Um, We've seen some really interesting um, products and services launched and practice areas launched um, in some of our competitor agencies, um, some of them, you know, really impressive organisations launching change communication practices or transformation communications support. Um, My favourite one is, my favourite one's Have Us um, that launched the Have Us Hustle. Um, It's an initiative to help industry professionals that are impacted by COVID turn their side hustles into a business. So senior members of staff provide free advice and support to anyone in the marketing industry. I don't know if they're still doing it. I noticed um, it was only up until the end of July, but what a bloody awesome idea. Isn't it? And and I feel like mm. a lot of the bigger agencies that have had to ask of staff to maybe reduce hours for a short period of time, you know, or change their role or responsibilities for a period of time to get through the toughest period before things rebound, which, you know, for, fortunately for a lot of us it is, Um that's such an incredible value add to demonstrate that you're still invested in your people throughout that time. You can't forget about the importance of your people. Um, Even if you're not in a position to reward that financially, there's other ways that you can support them through that period. No, absolutely. Um, Some of the others, uh, I don't know if this is not innovation because we do integrated approaches all the time, but one of the things that um, in my research about what was going on in our industry was around um, integrated approaches because marketing budgets have been squeezed. There, there needs to be um, more efficiencies in in your marketing spend. So, um, you know, it's not just about media relations. It's the shift to digital campaigns. People, as we know, people are spending more time mm. um, on on digital devices and engage with digital devices. So, the, those brands that are doing well are helping people. That um, that are relevant um, and, and entertaining. So um, during the bushfires, for example, Google searches increased for good news. People were, mm. and I'm sure it's happened during during COVID as well. People, that's right. Uh, yeah, you know, 
it was just doom and gloom through the bushfires and it's been pretty much doom and gloom through through COVID that we were just Googling anything good. So if any brands could provide that light entertainment, they're the ones that have been doing doing well in the last mm. couple of months. And so what do we think is next if, we, if we're thinking about – I was listening to one of my faves, of course, Renee Brown, talking about this, in, this article on Medium um, from a researcher around this concept of surge capacity and that if you're feeling depleted and exhausted, like you've hit a big wall, it's because you've exhausted your surge capacity. There's only so long that adrenaline and pivoting and, you know, enduring through a period can, can work for. So if we've hit that wall and we've got to climb over it and move on to something more long-term that's more sustainable, what do we think are the things that are needed from, particularly let's talk PR comms because that's our that's our real area of expertise. What do you think is needed from our clients and our little corner of the marketing universe? <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was let's put up the Christmas tree. I've <laughs> <laughs> talked about this before with some with some of my friends, and we're talking, let's just get the, let's get the Christmas tree up now. Let's get, <laughs> let's get the light of the end. The end of the year is now. Christmas tree is up. There's actually the Christmas trees up in the Queen Victoria building. I know. Yeah. There, I have no, I have no well, idea. You know what? There. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Because that is gives a sense of hope. It gives us a horizon. It gives us something to aim for. <laughs> I know a lot of people are planning on taking a decent, you know, at least two week chunk break around the Christmas period. So the tree might symbolize, you know, relaxation after a period of exhaustion. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that from a you know, innovation services perspective. For us, it's about getting to reaching a certain point and thinking, okay, now we're in a rhythm with this new approach. We need to stretch ourselves again. I think it's that conscious disruption. We need to demand it of ourselves and ask it of ourselves, but be gentle. So when I say conscious disruption, you know, Nicole and I don't mean quick, you're not doing enough, do another thing, do another thing. Sometimes conscious disruption is about stopping and not doing some things anymore. We've we've done that several times this year. Here are the three things we're not doing in the next three months because those things don't serve our clients, ourselves, our business. Um, and I think that that's just as important for innovation as um, the new stuff is, right? Turning off the stuff that isn't working or dialing down the stuff that's not appropriate right now. But ultimately, the key thing that we're going forward with is integrate multiple touch points, longer news cycles, more value in the connections that you make with your audiences, one-off, splash in the pan, you know, stunts, one-day type activities just aren't going to be the thing that's going to resonate or cut through. It might tickle someone one day, to use a word that's a bit on the nose at the moment, (laughs) due to a certain investigation that's being undertaken in New South Wales um but yeah it might tickle someone's fancy but we don't want to uh we don't want to tickle anyone's fancy do we Nicole (laughs) no tickles from the top (laughs) I can't talk (laughs) this is a really professional ending (laughs) um I'm Nicole Webb, I'm the CEO of the Impact Agency and with me is Francis Dwyer, the General Manager. You've been listening to the Impact Insights. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Everybody stay safe and... um, Put up your Christmas trees. 
Put up your Christmas trees and tickle yourself silly. <laughs> oh, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs>